Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Whoa! The The Horror! Horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do on your particular platform to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. You can check our website out at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. You can do those things. Yeah. Pretty quick, cool, pretty cool. Quick call to action. If uh, we're taking the or news and whatnot, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, we are taking the last two months or two, two weeks, weeks off of uh, December. Uh, we'll be gathering up everything that we've collected to do next year's episodes, which we have a kind of uh, blanket draft on. But yep. if you have anything juicy or something you're curious about, send mm-hmm. it to our email address again at oth at seriouslydecent.com. Or if you're a member of the Facebook group, just plug a little, hey. I got the idea. Try this out, or you can message us. Or if you happen to have our uh, number, text us. Send us a DM. Yeah. Just sounds dirty. It does. Slide into our DMs with your suggestions, guys. Just give me a DM on that. (laughs) Now, see, when you say DM, I automatically think Dungeon Master. I don't think direct message. Yeah. So Dungeon Master is yes. what you think of? Yeah. I, I don't have a specific word. It just sounds bad. Yeah. It's just bad thought. And it's nothing. It's because it sounds so much like BM. Maybe. Yeah. You're like, ew. A little duty. Yeah, ew. I don't like it. <laughs> Episode 102. Yeah. Unta ya, unta ya. This is a twofer. It's a BOGO. A BOGO. Yeah. Star Hill Cemetery. Yes. I did Star Hill Cemetery and Star Hill Road because turns out the cemetery itself, while it has some stuff, the freaking road has stuff. And then down the street from there, the Potato Hill uh, Massacre. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we're staying local this time. Real local. Yeah, we are. It's a, it's a local deal. I almost suggested Friday yeah. that we take a drive up. I almost... And take some photos. I almost brought it up yesterday. Yeah. We just have so much going on, though. Yeah. I figure we can do it later. Yeah. We'll take some photos. Yeah. Before snow. So maybe next year. (laughs) (laughs) We hope everybody had a good holiday week. Yeah. You're back to work if you're listening to this on Monday after a, a long break. Yeah, it's tough. You know, unless you're retail. And then you've just been dealing with the bullshit of everybody else. Yeah. Which yeah. you uh, deserve a day off just for that. Deserve more than one. God, people are terrible on Black Friday. No. They're terrible. Take out Black Friday. People are terrible. No. Because it's not just Black Friday. No, it, it's there's a level, but then like Black Friday just kicks it up another level. Well, as and someone who's been out there and shopping. It's different shopping. On... Black Friday, I haven't seen, I, like, I haven't seen any It's brawls. different shopping, though. Like, just being in it is, A, it's overwhelming. There's just people everywhere. Mm-hmm. B, they're need machines. They don't know how to fucking read. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do anything. Mm-hmm. 
except where's my thing? And they, yeah, I know. I've, they flashed I've a retail. fucking paper in front of you. I worked on, uh, oh. I've done Black Friday. Oh, it's terrible. But I also submit people are assholes and they're mm. assholes year round. I had. I'm not debating that. What I'm saying is, is they're worse on Black Friday. It's just, it is. They're worse. Uh, it, 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 and, and it's stupid because it's a it's a holiday, it's it's towards a holiday of peace, yeah, and a you holiday of things. Just gave you know. thanks for and yeah. and grateful for everything that you <laughs> yeah. have, and you go out the very next day for to get a holiday more. for yeah. a holiday that's supposed yeah. to be nice, and and you're just a beast. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is pretty local to us. Here. It's super local. Yeah, twenty. 20 minutes if no 15 no 30 yeah 30 40 Mm -hmm. but there's some uh things especially on my end with the potato hill massacre where it's close oh real whoa fine very close so do we want to start with star hill or do we want to start with the massacre uh why don't you start with star hill okay then sources because you've been doing Christmas explosion here, so I, I made Christmas. So you can you can <laughs> lean back on the last half hour of this. That's cool, it. cool, cool. I'll apologize in advance if I start snoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, sources: Big Frog One Hundred Four, Star Star Hill Cemetery, Rocking Chair, Light Ninety Eight Point Seven, The Hauntings of Star Hill Road, Paranormal, Central New York, uh, UticaOD.com, uh, Your Town Ghost Lore by. Um, Cassandra Baber, and reddit.com. Of course. Yes. So, <laughs> I rem- the first time I heard about Star Hill yeah, was, Road That was the first question I was going to ask you about it, because you're a local-ish. <laughs> was, I had, it was the summer before I went to, went away to college. Mm-hmm. My... Friends and I would go out, you know, and we would just hang out. We would hang out in, you know, a parking lot or we would go play tennis or we would just, we would just hang out. And we were, I believe we were walking up and down Genesee Street. I think we were trying to figure out whether we wanted to go into, you know, one of the stores or get something to drink. You know, we were trying to figure out what it was we were going to do. And I'm like, I'm not just going to sit here so let's walk that's what i like to call do something to figure out what we're gonna do yes yes and the uh car pulled up with of course dudes in it Mm. and it was the dudes that told us about star hill yeah and the dude Mm -hmm. hatch yeah and they put it all together in the same thing like their story was that there was a phantom truck that mm-hmm. would drag a body behind it. Yeah. The rocking chair that if you sat in it, you would die under some sort of mysterious circumstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, ghost lights and um, phantom screams. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's do it. We did. Yeah. We did. We went up there and it was foggy as hell. You couldn't see six inches in front of you. And of course. Did you know, know these guys at all? No. <laughs> That's awesome. No. Hey, 
You want to go to this crazy fucked up place in the middle of nowhere? Sure. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Yeah. Let's go. Let me just get my coffee. Yeah. So <laughs> we went up there and we had ourselves convinced that we saw something. We saw nothing. You couldn't. Even if something had been there, you wouldn't have been able to see it because yeah. that fog was so thick. And I think that was what was the creepiest part of it was yeah. the fog. Yeah, I could get that. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was the first time I'd ever heard about one. Star Hill Cemetery. No. Or Hatch and the, Bernard, and the murder. Bernard yeah. Hatch. That was the first time I'd. <laughs> You know me. I dig true crime. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Like, I knew all about, at that time, I was full on into the Boston Strangler, mm-hmm. the Hillside Strangler, the Green River Killer, BTK, like, all of it. I was I was into all of it. And yeah. I'm like, shit, man, something happened, like, in my backyard, and <clears throat> I know nothing about it. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Because there's know? a whole lot of people even now that have no idea yeah. about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the legend is there was an old man who used to live in a small house by a graveyard mm-hmm. on, well, not technically, on Star Hill. It's off off the road. Yeah. And he had a rocking chair that he would sit in. Later, this old man would die, and his rocking chair would be left alone and guarded by his spirit. Mm. So, in the afterlife, he would... Occasionally, you could see the chair rocking, and it's supposed to be him and his chair rocking. Okay. You know, as one does. Sure. So, the legend was, if you see the chair is there, everything is okay. But if you go and you don't see the chair then the spirit is very mad and you should probably leave. Really? Yeah. Okay. So through the years, it seems that the those two types of versions of the story have become like a myth and like one big story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, an, again, the version where if you sit in the rocking chair, you have this mysterious death. Yeah. And many have gone to search for the chair and many have been disappointed because, shocker. Said chair's gone. It's not there. Mm, yeah. Mm. And there is a stone chair in the cemetery, but it's not a rocking chair. So now, this is an old cemetery, correct? Super old. Yeah, like, like back to next, 1700s? Like next to it, it there's kind of like two of them together. Mm-hmm. And one of them is super old, like Revolutionary War old. Now, have you been there? Or you were just walking around that day, dude. We didn't or even do. Get, it was didn't like, even get out of the it car. It was like midnight, ah. and it was foggy. Even if we'd gotten out of the car, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have been able to see shit. Yeah, yeah. So and I've you, never been. I've never been to the cemetery. Okay. I've never been to any of those places. It was not presented to me that the rocking chair was anywhere associated with a cemetery. It mm-hmm. was just like. The way the story was presented to me, the rocking chair and the dude with the pickup truck dragging the body behind it all coincided together. Okay. Which, I mean, all right, if you're going to tell a story, it's not a bad story. No. You know, it would make sense that the dude. I think 
I think the fact that you drove there with a bunch of dudes that you never even knew <laughs> and made it back alive, that's a pretty cool story. Now we're going to hear more. <laughs> Don't do it as bad. I'm glad you made it. <laughs> so there is a stone chair in the cemetery, but that is not the chair. Mm-hmm. But I guess they have morphed the rocking chair into this stone chair. So now if you sit uh, in the stone chair, you'll die. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, remix. The person who wrote this particular article sat in it. Well, no. They didn't sit in it, but they sat right next to oh. it. Oh. Yeah. So. So what does that do? <laughs> I mean, I. It's a cemetery. Yeah. It's actually, it's creepy in the fact that it's an old, probably not super well-maintained a cemetery. A very old, like, busted up cemetery is yeah. just eerie in its own way. But right. it's also kind of disrespectful because this is the final resting place of these souls yeah. that have departed. And you're traipsing around there. Trying to, you know, see if you can get some shit to happen. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, yeah, there is a memorial for a fallen soldier not far from it. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe, just maybe give it a modicum of respect. I mean, I get, I get wanting to go to a place where you've heard a ghost story or you've heard some sort of legend and you're like something paranormal could happen Mm -hmm. i get that but i guess i don't i i don't want to say choose your battle but you know choose choose your activities wisely (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like there are a lot of you could go to a hotel. There's mm-hmm. several of them. You can go to the train station in Utica for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be haunted. Yeah, so they say. Yeah. Hang out there. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's, it's not anybody's final resting place. I got a mixed, uh, I got a mixed deal with cemeteries in general. From a existence and sustainability aspect. And I'm not even talking like ecosystem or whatever. Right. I'm just saying sustainable. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, you're going to no. run out of room. Yes. You know, and, like, especially when you go to cities. I mean, like, we used to, there was this whole thing where, like, uh, I remember when I was a kid and my parents, I think my grandfather spun this tale. Mm-hmm. You got to hold your breath when you go through, like, drive past a cemetery. You ever hear that one? I heard that you had to hold your breath as you were going over a bridge. You also had to pick your feet up off the floor of the car. I've heard pick your feet up, yeah. Yeah, and hold your breath. Yeah, it's just stupid shit. Yeah. But, yeah, it was hold your breath. Spin around three times. (laughs) Yeah, hold your breath because either um, it was disrespectful or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or you'll you'll give breath to, you know, dead people and, you know, whatever. You'll make them zombies. Yeah. But I remember, like, driving by one, like, on the outskirts of New York City, and it's like, it's huge. There's just tons, tons of, it yeah. goes forever. Yeah. And I sit there and it's like, I, like how, how much room are you going to give up for this? Like, that's why I have a hard time with a lot of memorials, but some memorials I think you should keep, mm-hmm. you know? So for example, like the soldiers mm-hmm. and the military cemeteries, mm-hmm. I think that 
is something that should be there. I think even just the way they're all like the stones are, you yeah. know, like everything's yep. symmetrical. They're, it's beautiful. Yep. It's yep. well kept, but it's also, it's there to let you know why you have what you have. Exactly. You know, like it's yes. a, so to me, that's it's a necessary. visual representation yeah. of now, your freedom. The cemetery down the road. I don't get it. Yeah. But here's my paradox. Mm-hmm. 400 years from now, I would get it. Like, I think you just got to have old things around you to mm-hmm. kind of keep you grounded and know where you came from and why things are and why things have happened and why things still happen. Mm-hmm. And like, it's all connective tissue to have. But that's my mixed deal with it. Because like, you know, take you and I, for example, we're just a couple of schmoes. Yeah. You know, we're going to get buried somewhere. We don't know yet because we haven't had that conversation yet. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but your family's out here. My family's out back home. Yeah. You know, we don't have kids. We're not going to have kids. So we're just going to be like this, this plot at the end of the day, just sitting around somewhere. Hear me out. And maybe, maybe and no one on my side of the family is going to kind of keep things up on that because they're no. not even around here. Yeah. So now it's your side of the family. How long does that go? You know, and then we're just, you know, we're just sitting there, you know, our, our existence, so to speak. And somebody's just going to walk by. It's our skeleton. At the end of the day, that's what's going to be sitting there. No, but it's like the headstone, you know, like the headstone there. And, you know, the headstone could sit there and at best I see us being like someone describing where their family is. It's next to the one. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it starts with a T. It's next to that you one. You turn left. Yeah. You turn left at the black stone with the T. Yeah. No, hear me out. I think we should have a mausoleum, and it should be guarded by a dragon. <laughs> we should get a mausoleum, like a huge yeah! one, and everybody be like, who the hell was that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But whoever they were, they were big. Man. They had to be somebody. Exact opposite of, you know. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 Okay. So back to Star Hill Cemetery. So there is an interesting <laughs> ghost story connected with the road itself. Okay. In the late 1800s, a Welsh immigrant named Dr. Roberts settled off of Star Hill Road with his wife. Mm. Dr. Roberts was a respected physician and was soon consulting the major. Um, the majority of injuries in the Remsen Stuben area. Okay. He was always willing to help out his neighbors in a time of need and late at night while rushing to the aid of one of his neighbors during a horrible rainstorm, Dr. Roberts was involved in a riding accident and was killed. Wow. It's reported by locals that Dr. Roberts continues to help others even in death. There have been many reports of people citing the glowing lantern of Dr. Roberts moving up and down the length of Star Hill Road. Perhaps if you're on Star Hill Road late at night, Dr. Roberts will come and help you as well. Really? So then we get to... Fun fact about Dr. Roberts. Yeah. You know the Beatles song, Dr. Roberts? No. You never heard that? Uh-uh. Oh, it's not that guy. That's... Really? Yeah. It's not? It's not. Wow. It's not. It's not? <laughs> it's not. That's crazy, man. <laughs> so... There is, <laughs> I just, you know, sometimes. I'm sorry. So, Star Hill was also the site of the Potato Hill killers' mm-hmm. murders. Yeah. Bernard Hatch, 
and he's been in prison since 1975 when he was sentenced in Oneida County to 25 years to life in prison for killing Mary Turner. Mm -hmm. He killed her after he strangled and dragged her behind a car along Potato Hill Road in the town of Steuben, and her torso was found under a foot of mud. So often that story gets blended with the cemetery and the road Mm -hmm. and the ghosts and the lanterns and craziness. All the same. So, turns out, not everybody was super cool about Dr. Roberts. Really? Yeah. So, it's Baron von Steuben uh, State Memorial is the Fallen Soldiers Memorial near the cemetery. Mm. Uh, And he is a uh, Revolutionary War figure. So... Dr. Roberts was, um, hold on. At one point in his life, he had traveled to London Mm -hmm. where he followed the work of Dr. Anton Mesmer. And that guy's work led to the development of hypnosis and from whose name the word mesmerized was coined. This gave Roberts a reputation among the locals for practicing strange medicine. So Roberts had only lived in the area for two years before his death in 1820 and was called a witch doctor by his neighbors due to his interest in the effects of magnetism and the art of suggestion. Mm. People were afraid to him, were afraid of him, but if they had an ailment, they would go to him for help. He kind of flaunted it. He dealt in herbs and things they didn't understand. So again, now this gets you into superstition, yeah, which is where this... You know, his lantern could not only be helping, but it could also be, you know, malevolent. Yeah. He's going to lead us to our death because he's a a witch doctor. Ta-da! Watch out for the witch doctor and his lantern. the superstitious rumors about his work and then his sudden accident that Mm -hmm. led to his death helped create this aura of mystique that still surrounds Star Hill where he lived. You're in the woods. This is a direct quote. It's that eerie silence that sparks stories of ghosts, Krager said. He died suddenly. It was an accident. He was thrown from his horse and died a few hours later. People, you know, kids go up there at night and they see the light from his lantern guiding people to his house for help. Krager's son, Walt Krager, had an odd experience of his own while snowmobiling alone late one night on the hill. His sled died on him just as he was passing through the cemetery, and he has since only gone through the area with other riders. He was pretty spooked, his mother said. The young Krager hasn't been the only one to experience technical problems upon entering the cemetery either. There's even a shared superstition about the order in which sleds cross it while caravanning. People claim if you're riding sleds, you know, um, snowmobiles, snowmobiles. you don't want to be riding on the third sled. Walt Krager said, I always make sure I'm the first, second or last sled. Doesn't say why or what happens to the person on the third sled. Mm. Just, you don't want to be in the third sled. And about nine years ago, the Remsen Steuben historical society started performing short plays based on local history. And of course, Jean Krager says that she had to begin with the story of Dr. Roberts. We covered the ghost in our first dinner theater, calling it The Legend of Star Hill. Since next to um, 
Revolutionary War Hero Baron Friedrich Wilhelm von Steuben, Dr. Roberts is probably the most talked about person in town. We kind of called him a witch doctor when we did our play because that was the times. Since that first show, interest in the historical society in the two towns it follows has been picked in the annual plays have grown to two-hour productions really? shown on three different nights. It's very popular. In Remsen? We poke fun at ourselves. It's our main fundraiser for the Historical Society, that's Prager said. That's in Remsen? It's uh, Steuben. Steuben Remsen. Remsen? Yep. God, that's got Waiting for Guffman written all over <laughs> it. It really does. So the Welsh were coming to Steuben because mm. that's where the Welsh population was, but Remsen was right there. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Stu Ben and Remsen has a very large Welch population. Mm. Fun fact, my mother's my mother's mother, mm-hmm. her parents were both Welsh immigrants and their last name was Roberts. Mm. I don't know if they're any relation to that, which doctor. That sounds juicy. Right? So now Someone posted in Reddit the Star Hill hauntings, Mm -hmm. and they broke it out. Yeah. And it's pretty freaking interesting. So they break out in a small town in upstate New York, about 15 minutes north of Utica. There's a place called Remsen that is home to quite the hot spot for unexplained activity. Star Hill, as it is known locally, is a point on Star Hill Road in Remsen, New York, where the Penn Mountain State Forest meets the road. On the road are two parking areas, both with impressive views of the Mohawk Valley. You'll find two lookouts, one along the actual road and another off of a trail that turns off the road and goes into the forest. Locally, we refer to them as the first and second lookouts. The first being the one on the road, the second being the one in the forest. So I'll be referring to them as such. Up this trail is a cemetery, a small cluster of buildings if you can call them that, a small body of water known as Hatches Pond, and a radar dome with a sign from the U.S. Air Force prohibiting anyone from getting too close to it. All of these locations have their share of strange activity. Over the years, people have mostly used this as a gathering spot. It isn't uncommon to go up there on a nice weekend in the summer and find people camping or some high school kids having a party. That is, or at least it was, mostly what it is known for, high school parties. I've spent my fair share of time here over the years and have only experienced one of these myself. Mm. It's just the kind of place everyone seems to have a story about. Stories vary from hearing screams in the middle of the night to floating orbs of light crossing the road and disappearing into the woods. I'll outline each of these phenomena and provide some possible explanations. Mm. The orbs. Undoubtedly, the most popular story is that the mysterious floating orbs that can be seen alongside the road by the first lookout. Everyone's story seems to be the same. Two to three orbs of light floating about six feet above the road appear seemingly out of nowhere. They appear to almost dance around and slowly move across the road, then disappear into the trees. I've personally seen them while I was parked at the first lookout facing down the road. I saw two of these orbs float slowly across the road, then seemingly disappear into the tree line. Just like the stories had said, what could be causing this? The legends say these are the lanterns of Daniel Roberts, a 19th century doctor who lived in the area and practiced holistic medicine and herbal remedies. Eh. Locals called him the witch doctor and claimed he also showed interest in the occult. 
Now, in my research, there was nothing that said he was interested in anything about the occult. He was interested in Anton Mesmer, but that's not the occult. Mm. In 1820, he was traveling. Sounds like you're getting technical there. Yeah. He was traveling on the road and was thrown from his horse. The fall broke his leg, and he died at the age of 45 from his injuries. He often traveled at night with a lantern and hung one from a window in his house. People say his spirit is carrying these orbs as if they are lanterns while he still travels that same path he did so many years ago. Another popular story is that the lanterns are carried by Baron von Steuben, a Revolutionary War general who once lived in the area. Sometime after his death in the early 1900s, they moved his body from its original resting place to a memorial that has been constructed in his honor. His final wishes were strictly against this, as he wanted a burial that a normal man would receive. Legend states that these lanterns are carried by the Baron searching for his body. One thing is certain, these lights cannot be coming from the vehicle. They're too far apart to be headlights, They have a distinct flicker to them, like candlelight, and it has often been speculated that they are being produced by a car driving through the area. However, they do not produce light in the same way that a vehicle's headlights would. Mm. There are no other roads in that direction that you'd be able to see headlights. Screams. Another popular occurrence people often report is hearing blood-curdling screams all throughout Penn Mountain Forest. Centered mostly around the cemetery, people say that the screams of a woman can be heard at random hours of the night. They have been reported in other areas, but mostly near the cemetery. The theory explaining this is that back in the 60s and 70s, Bernard Barney Hatch lived nearby, would kidnap women from the surrounding areas of New Hartford and Utica. He would bring them into the woods and kill, torture, bury them there. There were... Only They were only ever able to pin one crime on him, and that was the murder of Mary Rose Turner on April 26, 1973. He did the same thing with her. Killed and dragged the dead body of Turner up near Potato Hill Road with his car. He then buried her body in the woods alongside the road at an intersection and currently serving life sentence. But many believe he is responsible for other unsolved murders of women and children in the area during that time. The screams are said to be that of his many victims who never got the justice they deserved. The rocking chair. Drive up the rocky dirt path and you'll stumble upon a cemetery. Cemetery dates back to the late 1800s and has a ton of graves from this time period. There was once a rocking chair here and it has been said that anyone who sat in it would die within the next 24 hours. Today it is no longer there. Story goes that a young lady had gone up there with a group of friends, and some of them had dared her to sit in the chair. Knowing the legend and dismissing it, she sat in it anyway. The next day, that girl was killed in a car accident. The father, after talking with one of the grief-stricken friends, had learned about the dare and the legend. He went up to the cemetery and destroyed the chair so no other parent would lose their children to the chair. Mm. Evidence of this is scarce and almost non-existent. However, many do report that there was, in fact, a rocking chair there at one point and it has since gone missing. No one seems to know what happened to it. There are also signs posted around the cemetery saying that there are security cameras in use, two of which can be seen mounted on trees. They seem to be pointed in the corner where the chair supposedly was. It could be argued that they were put in place to deter vandalism, which unfortunately seems commonplace there. Again... If you're going to go up there, at the very least, be respectful. 
that, however, does not explain why they would be focused on that corner in particular. So apparently there are other miscellaneous occurrences. uh, And a great number of people have shared their stories. Hatch's Pond, nicknamed after uh, Mr. Hatch, Mm -hmm. has had numerous legends surround it. Stories of it being used at some point by the mafia, which had a large presence in Utica for years, for alleged uh, body dumping are plentiful. However, no evidence to support this has ever come up. According to some, the whole forest was used at one point or another by the mafia for various reasons since it was remote and far away from the city. Only one story of a local tow truck company pulling a car out of a pond could possibly have a connection to this. However, no evidence of human remains were found in it, and it was deemed most likely that someone had stolen the car from a dealership and dumped it and dumped it there. This is Uh, Somewhat supported by the fact that it was a relatively expensive vehicle at the time and it reportedly had extremely low miles. No evidence of it being used for a body dump ever surfaced. There is a small collection of structures near the pond dubbed the Hermit's Village. Many people have claimed that a hermit had once lived in these small structures and would be aggressive toward any uh, people traveling by. There's no recent evidence of a person living there, and it was most likely uh, used as a sort of hunting area back in the day. Basements of long-forgotten structures can be found in the surrounding area. Reports of light following you up the trail also pop up from time to time. A friend told me that lights appear behind you only for no vehicle to pass by. There are only a few places to turn off, uh, mostly toward the beginning of the road so or the path, so a vehicle turning onto another offshoot of the trail is unlikely. People have also reported speaking to a man in a military uniform, thought to be the ghost of Baron, uh, Baron von Steuben. Mm. And I've also been told of a man in an old white pickup truck offering to give you a ride to a party that's happening further up the trail. When you make your way up the trail, you don't find a single soul, let alone a party, and the truck seems to have disappeared. Nice. Also sprinkled throughout the state forest are concrete structures with no clues as to what they once were. Most likely, they are basements or foundations of some type. There was originally a Welsh settlement in that area, which would explain why they might be there. There's plenty of what appears to be more modern construction as well, and it's anyone's best guess as to what they are. There are a small collection of some... These are a small collection of some of the things that seem to happen up there. And if you're from the area and have your own stories, they suggest that you share them. And if you've never been before and are willing to take the drive, you won't be disappointed if ghost hunting is your thing. According to our Reddit poster. Huh. Yeah. Well, so. That's the tough part when you get a lot of old stuff. Yeah. Around. Yeah. You get people that are bored. They don't have anything to do. So stories start. I will say one of the links uh, had an investigation from like a CNY paranormal Mm -hmm. investigation thing. And it was supposed to, the heading of it was Star Hill EVP. The only thing you can hear are these people talking to each other and this guy going, 
and walking through a bunch of leaves <laughs> for a minute and 47 seconds. Yeah. And at one point it is quiet and it's almost like a whisper is there, but that could literally be anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe the guy breathing again. So <laughs> I listened to it because I thought if it was even remotely. Yeah, I would share it. Yeah, yeah I would share it. But wah, wah. No, that's the, I, I love the enthusiasm of ghost hunters. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I, I adore and love and respect the enthusiasm. But a lot of them are not, for lack of a better term, scientific at all. Um, just terrible. No. Yeah. And and uh, so it becomes this, uh, I think ghost hunting now has fallen into this reality show type crap sh- section. Sprinkled <laughs> with some good things here and yeah. there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think what happens is, is they go out and they get a bunch of footage. And they find out that they got a few things that are questionable. Right. But if they were to just state them as it was, it'd be pretty boring. So they got to put some enthusiasm around gotta it. Got to put some jazz on yeah. it. Some spice. Yeah. But I think also what happens, I, I've i been around small town areas a lot as a kid. I, I mm-hmm. lived in the suburbs of a bigger area, but, but I find Dino. Boy, <laughs> just... Given an opinion. Tell us how you really feel, <sighs> bud. So, so basically, uh, you know, I, I find this common where you'll have two or three people that say they saw something. And now they tell it to a group of 10 people. Yeah. And now. Now they see something. Well, no, now you've got this predicament mm-hmm. where you have two people that have seen something or experienced something. Everybody wants to be a part of something. Right. This is getting into like your genetics of who you are as a human being. Mm -hmm. You want to be a part of something. So instead of not being along with it. So now a decision happens. Either those two people are crazy and people move on or they want to be a part of this thing. They go and check it out. Mm -hmm. Maybe they slightly hurt something and it's power suggestion. Yeah. Enough to be included in the group now. You're in the group that heard something at Star Hill Cemetery. And insert any other thing, this battlefield or this or that. And there's this exclusion principle that takes place if you go there and you don't hear anything. And people are just like, oh, man, you know, I heard what I heard or, you know. and uh, Must be you because I didn't have any problems. Yeah, I think this stuff manifests a lot. I think if you really want to be a part of something, you can come up with... A lot of excuses. Well, that and I also are, think the human mind is pretty suggest- suggestive. Oh, so if you go up there with the expectation that mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z is going to happen, yeah, odds are X, Y, or Z will happen. Yeah. No, I I have a confession actually on this type of principle. Yeah. It's a rude joke I played on my coworkers at work the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I was going to keep it quiet and just keep it to myself, but. Because you're going to hear this and you're going to be like, God, it's so you. So one of my coworkers brought a huge bag of taffy, massive bag. Yeah. Puts it in the bowl. And we're always joking because like once the taffy gets down, it repopulates. Mm -hmm. So we call it the never ending taffy bowl. So there's this green one. And my boss is trying to figure out what kind of flavor it is. Mm -hmm. I know deep down it's like a sour apple type thing. Yeah. But I was like, what do you think? I'm like, is it minty? You know, so yeah, it could be a little minty, maybe spearmint, you know. So everybody that would come, they'd be like, what are the flavors? And I'm like, ah, you know, this yellow one's a little citrusy. 
you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Now, like I said, it's apple. It's like sour apple. It's nothing close to mint. Right. And I'm seeing how long can this go? You know, so coworkers are coming through and, mm-hmm. you know, they're grabbing. And then finally, this is after a week and a half, babe. Mm-hmm. Finally, someone comes up. She grabs it. She goes, oh, what's that? I go, oh, it's, it's like spearmint. She puts it in her pocket. She walks away. Next day, she comes to me. She goes, hey, by the way, that's not spearmint. And I'm looking like, really? What is it? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, no, that was like green apple or sour apple. And I was like, holy crap. It took almost two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks for someone to come. It doesn't mean internally what will happen, but it just... Like you can really drive an idea into not just somebody, people. Yeah. And get like a, you know, like people are coming up and everybody's like, yeah, no, the green's like minty, you know? And it's like, <laughs> hey, fucking minty. It's nothing close to it. You're such a shit. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm just glad you get me. I'm just so glad you get me. And whoever's listening to this from work, I'm sorry. He's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys are simply there for his amusement. It is, isn't it? Yes. It's, yeah. Yes. That's terrible. When you put it that way, it's terrible. I can't do that. Anymore. I can't do that. <laughs> I got to put that in my prayers tonight. That's. now the worst part is is i shouldn't have confessed to this because now everybody's going to come up to me and so so frank (laughs) what stupid personal experiment am i in right now god and i can't say you're not because they won't fucking believe me so then i'm gonna have to make up one and then they'll start believing in that that's uh it was it, like I've always wanted to start a cult just to tell everybody, look, you're in a cult. Yeah. But then I know it would go wrong. And yeah. they'd be like, that's not true. And then the number two would take me out, pull like a miscavige, you know. <laughs> oh. And then Frank would be the uh, the godfather. They'd have this, the picture, the painting yep. of me. Life size. Yeah. Laying my clothes out for my return every day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fucking sharp turn this tug. <laughs> How about Potato Hill Massacre? How about it? Let's segue into that, maybe. Fill me in, please, yeah. and thank you. Well, it's um all right, I'll go with my sources. Uh I was introduced to this first. I had the book here with some uh some bookmarks that I'm gonna go through, but it's called A Killer Named Hatch Massacre on Potato Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh by Thomas Blanchfield, a local. Apparently yes. how the book came to be was kind of like, um, oh, the alien abduction there, the the one with the two guys that we did. Pascagoula? Pascagoula, mm-hmm. where uh, this guy's the only one left. Got it. Basically, this guy here. Yeah. Of like the team that was gathering things and evidence and all that. So he wanted to- So was to, he an investigator or is he uh, like know, a he journalist? kind of like a journalist slash researcher slash- I didn't really get a good beat on that. Unfortunately, I had to plow through this whole thing quick, uh, you know, 100 mm-hmm. pages in like a day. <laughs> and uh, no, but it's uh, so that book, it is helpful. If you're interested, uh, you know, if you're a local person or you're just interested in true crime, 
I would highly recommend getting uh, A Killer Named Hatch Massacre on Potato Hill by uh, Thomas Blanchfield. It's um, it's one of those books that it's small, but it's also a little wordy because he only had a certain amount of information. Right. But it's packed with information. Got it. You know, uh, which is why I wish he wrote it a little shorter and didn't get so wordy on yeah. like building a story. Just, hey, this is what happened. This is the stuff. Yeah. There's pictures and things like that. Right. Of the drag marks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, Lawandcrime.com. W-O-U-R dot com. Mm-hmm. Going local. And uh, discover.hubpages.com. That was my uh, my sources kind of moving around. Mm-hmm. But basically on April 26, 1973, Mary Rose Turner uh, went out for a walk. And unfortunately. Didn't come home. It was uh, her last walk and her last breaths. Uh, the 56-year-old Turner was suffering from a bout of insomnia. And she took a late night stroll. Uh, her route took her from her apartment in the small town of Steuben past a nearby Shell gas station where Bernard Hatch, at the time 33 years old, uh, was working. Mm-hmm. He'd do like the graveyard shift there. Got it. So later that morning, a local man named, uh, and I've heard so, some different names. I'm going with the one in the book here. James Weaver mm-hmm. uh, witnessed a green car dragging like uh, what he called a white object behind it. It was off in the distance. Mm-hmm. And uh, behind it, uh, it, it was on Potato Hill Road uh, itself. Uh, Weaver thought it was odd, but he didn't pay much mind to it. Because, right. like, you're out in the sticks out there. People got to understand, you'll fucking see anything. Yeah. He you know, could have been I mean, dragging who knows who what. Who knows what. A pile of yeah. uh, just, like, brush. Yeah. You know, or just anything. Yeah. Uh, so later that afternoon... Uh, he returned home from uh, the grocery store. He noticed some uh, strange substances uh, substances in the road. Uh, he followed that to a trail where he discovered remnants of clothing and what appeared to be internal organs. Mm-hmm. And again, you would not be totally shocked on this either. Right. Like the clothing may be a little weird, but people throw trash and stuff. Yeah. Organs, it could have been dependent... You know, They're, hunting is it, yeah, hunting is prevalent. prevalent. Yeah, so yeah. you always just got that type of stuff around. Not always, but you can encounter it. Uh, Weaver deduced that the object he saw being dragged by the car was a body. He started kind of putting it together, putting like, the pieces together. Maybe, yeah, maybe this is. Bit, Wait a minute, there's yeah. clothes. Something's fishy here, and it's not fish. Right. Yeah. You know, so uh, he quickly phones the police, and the police, you know, again. You know, joking that, you know, he read too many detective books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they went up there and did forensic tests, uh, and they concluded that the organs were human. Right. So things take a turn now. Right. They get search dogs up there, and uh, they help reveal this shallow grave where the severely mutilated body of uh, Mary Rose Turner had been dumped. Mm-hmm. Uh, her hands and feet were cut off, and the dragging uh, basically just, like, completely, like, erased her face. And uh, only an ear and some hair above the neck remained. Uh, so I have some details further on one of my bookmarks. Uh, it was a dismembered body, marked mutilation of the body, apparently uh, secondary to dragging, loss of vital organs, uh, lower extremities uh, received separately, upper extremities received separately, cause of death, asphyxia, uh, secondary to strangulations, and the body uh, had been largely eviscerated. 
There was a rope mark about the neck and missing were the spleen, small intestine and stomach. Uh, and it was not possible to see both the lungs and the heart due to like the dragging. Yeah. Pretty gory. Yeah. Uh, so several uh, eyewitnesses also reported seeing uh, Bernard Hatch and his green car that morning. Mm-hmm. And he had a past history of abduction, rape and suspected murder. Hatch made the list as a prime suspect and his car matched the witness's description. Uh, he knew the victim lived near the crime scene and were close to the victim's home in the middle of the night. So all this is starting to circle around him. Uh, This led to the search of Hatch's property and car and eventually led to him being arrested and indicted. Okay. A search warrant found grisly tools of the trade and also news uh, paper clippings about Turner's uh, murder. Right. So to get into the uh, background, again, getting into the book here, uh, not a, not a sweet guy on October 25th, 1963, while home on leave from, uh, the Marine Corps and staying in Utica, New York, he decided to cruise around and ended up in Frankfurt Gorge, mm, okay. 12 miles from where he was staying. The Gorge road, as it's referred to is lightly traveled and unlit. Hatch came upon a lane off of the paved highway and saw a car parked about a hundred feet from the road in the car. There was a young couple, a 16 year old female and her 18 year old boyfriend who was home on leave from the army hatch forced them out of the car at gunpoint. He tied both parties to trees a few yards apart. Um, and he took the male's wallet from his pocket and discarded it. Uh, when he found it empty, he then performed a loathsome, uh, sexual act on the teenage girl fired a warning shot over the head of her boyfriend untied the girl and left with her uh, sobbing in his car. The victims uh, placed the time at between 8.30 and 9.15 mm-hmm. uh, p.m. Hatch then drove to Sequoia, New York, about 10 miles southeast of the gorge, raped the girl, and drove her to her home in Frankfurt, arriving at 12.30 a.m. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So the make, uh, color, and plate number of the car was called into uh, the Herkimer Barracks of the State Police. And in the early morning hours of October 26, 1963, uh, Investigator uh, Charlin of State Police BCI, Bureau of Criminal Investigation, made the arrest, had Hatch arraigned, and in Herkimer County and held on $15,000 bail. It is unimaginable but true that the observer dispatched the Utica paper printed the victim's name and age 16, which in today's arena, uh, she would have been, uh, prosecuted from disclosure because of her age and being yeah, a she rape would have victim. Been protected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on July 16th, 1964 hatch was tried for a host of felonies, kidnapping robbery, uh, in the first abduction, possession of a firearm, possession of a loaded firearm and rape one, uh, the district attorney, Albert Schneider, had an easy time convicting the jury, convincing the jury of his guilt as he paraded the victim, uh, Troopers Bull, Gerbach, and Gerbach, and Carl, and investigators uh, Restante, Dennis, uh, Brefka, and Charlin before the jury. And the jury, after five hours' deliberation, found him guilty on all counts, with the exception of robbery and abduction. The sentence was uh, 25 to life, all counts to run concurrent revoke bail 
with this uh, scene. So here. how was he out in? No, that's this scene. That's oh. this one. Okay. They pulled all of this stuff together. Okay. So I kind of got ahead of thing, but during the trial, witnesses claim that Hatch looked disheveled uh, after returning to work that morning and claims that he boasted about the murder. Of course kinda, he would. There's a lot of mixed stories about this. It's hard. It's kind of like on your Star Hill Cemetery thing. Like yeah. you, you hear a lot of different things. This eventually, uh, with all of that stuff I just read mm-hmm. off as background, this concluded a guilty verdict that uh, followed what they called the longest and most expensive trial in the 200-year history of Oneida County. During the four months of trial, 260 prosecution exhibits, 125 defense exhibits, 69 witnesses for the prosecution, 17 uh, witnesses for the defense, and 8,000 pages of testimony would be presented. They had 600 prospective jurors that were called, with 16 being called, 12 with four alternates. The jury returned a verdict after nine hours and 19 minutes of deliberation. So, yeah, I mean, just not a nice guy to begin with. And uh, this whole thing of getting 25 years to life, he was denied parole several times. And he died ultimately in 2021 at Fishkill Correctional Facility. So they never got any additional information from him to see if he was responsible for any other murder. It was tough, you know, because of the evidence that was around there. But there were certain things that just didn't add up. It was all kind of circumstantial evidence, Mm -hmm. you know, or things Mm -hmm. like I was talking to you earlier about like the tires Mm -hmm. and like being around here, like being somewhere else, this story would fly. But being here. And in a place like this, it wouldn't, you know, so he had these tires on his car. He worked at a garage. He could have replaced the tires, but instead he went to this place to get the tires replaced. Yeah. Paid cash for it. Yeah. And the guy said that the tires he had, they weren't too bad. And he asked, you know, why are you putting these new tires on here? Well, you know, it's a good deal. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I wanted to check these tires out. Now, like anybody around this area knows that no one would get rid of decent tires to put new tires on. Yeah, no. They'd run those tires till they can't run them anymore. Yep. Patch them, plug them. Yep. Till it doesn't pass inspection. And And then then they would replace them. And then get new tires and maybe drive without inspection for a month. Yeah. You know, before that happens. So it's fishy stuff like that, you know. You combine it all together together. and it leads to this. I wonder what evidence they actually collected at his residence or from his vehicle. I mean, aside from... They had some like kit type things, you know, and I mean, there was some things. Uh, But again, it was just iffy. And that's where I recommend the book, like read the whole book in its Mm -hmm. entirety. Uh, It's exhaustive in that kind of fashion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, the whole fact that she was choked... Yeah. Uh, doesn't really mean he had much, you know, and then there was the rope and, you know, had the rope burns on the neck. So probably pulling, pulling from there. And then, uh, you know, it just goes on from there. Uh, you know, basically he was put up for parole every two years and there was a group of people in the area. This writer, Thomas Blanchfield was one of them. Mm -hmm. That just made sure that they had. They were always there for the. They were always there for the, the hearing, and they collected all this information and brought it so that this guy would just never see the light of day outside of a correction correctional facility. Yeah, and that's what happened. And um, he always maintained his innocence. Uh, he always he always said it, uh, and 
again, going through these, uh, these parole hearings, uh, they refused to grant his freedom. Uh, local forums about the potato and star Hill, uh, the murder still widely known. Uh, it's turning into a ghost story in yep. which the chains can still be heard on a quiet night. Yep. Uh, the crime is treated kind of like a joke as well, because it's just something that extreme is hardly heard of. Right. Especially in a place where, you know, I mean, like they said it in this one thing, you know, the cows can outnumber humans, yeah. you know. So these forums have these uh, several different people who were friends with someone directly related to the crime or either way, uh, this crime just is not as famous as some other serial killers. And the fact is, it's just, he's not a serial killer. Yeah. That's the tough thing. It's just a, it's a massacre. Yeah. As far as that would be concerned, you know, but this claims that he was linked to other murders and that yes. still goes on. So Hatch's wife committed suicide in 1974 and his uh, granddaughter who recently spoke to um, a news channel, I think this is a few years back, mm -hmm. Still lives with the horrors of uh, this guy who's related to her, which I can imagine. Yeah. Why have that in the family, uh, the family roster? And uh, there was a News Channel Two article, and this uh, this Hatch's granddaughter, um, basically opened a briefcase. She said that her late mother mother left her, the one that committed mm -hmm. suicide. And uh, this briefcase was uh, a knife, pictures of Hatch. And uh, her mother and letters. And, uh, the article further stated that the the mother knew Hatch's guilt and his guilt for other women that he murdered. She stated that her mother mentioned at least three other girls who were currently still missing, and claimed that she was also forced to go out with Hatch to loc out, uh, locate spots for graves. So this is where it all starts spinning around, and yeah. I mean, you hear people talk about it all the time, like. In this this area, because they're right down the road from each other. Yeah, like you you drive past Potato Hill, and the next road on the left is Star Hill. Yeah, they're they're right down from each other, and so you smash these together, mm -hmm. and you've got this like beautiful recipe for yeah supernatural things, and yep. uh you know it was also in the seventies, so a lot of things with aliens was going on. Mm -hmm. um, people were talking about you know these people were missing because of alien abductions. Uh, even in the book, it kind of gets into these other people, but but not so far. Uh, but, you know, it's the fact that he killed this one woman, terrible enough. And then you had the history of other things well, that he has done. claiming that he killed And his wife other... claiming. I mean, it, it's hard-pressed to not believe it. You yeah. know, you got to kind of buy into it. You know, and this is what frustrates me. If the wife truly believed that, why wouldn't you go to the police? I see that's the stuff I and don't be like, hey, these three people are missing. Yeah. I'm even with this dude hundred percent positive. Even with this dude locked up. Yeah. Like I just don't That would have been the ideal time. Yeah. I don't understand how that shit happens. Like I, yeah. I don't you know. And I mean, like, I understand, like, the like the hatches of the world. That I actually do understand. It's easier to, to wrap my head around why he was the way he was than the wife, unless, unless we're talking about, like, a battered wife 
syndrome. Yeah. Maybe she was scared. But here's the thing. I mean, if you're scared for your own life, all the more reason to go to the cops. Yeah. I mean, that's where, you know, I mean, I have to claim ignorance on it, but I just have a hard time going, you know, like I don't understand the whole battered wife thing. Like I get it. I get why it Mm -hmm. happens and I get how a woman can feel like trapped. Like I I get that. I I get that as far as I can Mm -hmm. is about the best way I can say it. You know, (laughs) like I, I can go there as far as I can. Uh, but at the end of the day, like there's a point where you got to look and like get out, you know, and, and you hear weird stories about well, it. I mean, we're not going to name drop people or anything like that. Previously but... battered wife. No, I know. Uh, I can tell you that it is a, it's very much like a cult. It's very systematic. Things mm-hmm. are said and done in a way that makes you question you. Yeah. Makes you question what's right. Yes. Makes you question uh right and wrong. There's uh a ton of control and manipulation. Mm-hmm. Not just in it's your thoughts, your your words, what you say, what you do. Like it's it's mind control, yeah. essentially, and yeah. brainwashing. You are made to feel that everything is happening, everything happening to you is your fault because of something you either said, did, didn't do, mm-hmm. didn't do correctly, or. Or you just got a shitty. Or all of the above. You just got a shitty lady brain, you know. Also possible. <laughs> And and that's yeah. And I know that not every woman has it in them to leave. No, I know. And I'll be honest: had I not had those conversations with Roseanne, my coworker, who same situation, battered wife, battered wife with a small child. Yeah. And that's when. She drew the line because if he could beat her, he could very well beat her child. And she was not going to have that happen. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if a mother and child can leave the situation, what's my fucking excuse? True. And that's when I'd say the spell was broken Mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. And that's when I went from. The clouds kind of moved away. Yeah. Yeah. And. I saw the whole picture and I went from being afraid of him Mm -hmm. or, you know, just trying to appease him to be like, fuck this shit. So it's probably like from what I can relate in my life without getting too deep into that. um, You're just basically trying to get through the day and you never look forward. I see that a lot. With yeah. like battered women, yeah. or battered wife stories. Yeah. They where are very much. Like you're just trying to, to get through the morning, yep. get through the afternoon, yep. get through the night. And if I can get through the day with a minimal amount of occurrences, yes, it's a win. Yes. So that's like you've dropped the win yes. bar so low. Yes. You know, to where you're just hoping. Yes. That this, you know, and I, I understand that. Yes. The problem I have is I went through that kind of as a kid. Yeah. Very powerless. Yes. Not an adult. 
Right. Yeah. So adult me, like a kid, like I see things that happen to kids and I can identify with that. It's like, you're a kid. You can't go out and work. You can't get your own place. You can't. Yes. And in order to escape that, you got to destroy everything in your existence and go to something else that could be worse. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and, and so you're like, no, nah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just try it out here because I know this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's a similar parallels. Yeah. With that. You're you're made to feel powerless. Mm-hmm. You're isolated. You're. Uh, he kept me away from my family. Yeah. We didn't do anything that my family was doing. Like we didn't do. We did the holidays for one maybe two years. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And then I wasn't. And I could see allowed. that if I was, if I was trying to dominate you. Yes. Like I'll play the, I'll role play that. Yes. If I was trying to dominate you, I would have to get you away from your family. Yeah. Cause your family's very close, mm-hmm. very bonding. Mm-hmm. You guys have, you're just your own thing in your own way. And you're, um, you know, Instead of one against one, it's one against five or six or seven or 10 or 12, depending on who's over there. What he didn't count on was. And that would make, no, but what I'm getting at to make it like I'm trying to put my eyes in that, that would, if I was trying to control you for whatever reason, that's a different topic. Yeah. But I would feel powerless there. Yes. And not having the power there. Then there's the insecurities of being weak and, you know, and I need to be controlling of the situation. So therefore I'm uncomfortable with this. So you associate the word with, I'm uncomfortable with this. I just don't have a good time. I don't have blah, blah, blah. And then pull away from there. Yeah. I could see where that would slowly subvert into something else. Yeah. It's very cult-like. We were only allowed to hang out with his family Mm-hmm. His friends. Yeah. Um, I made friends with a neighbor. Turns out that was wrong. Uh, well, you ain't going to do anything right. I didn't That's do anything right. Yeah. yeah. Now, what yeah. gets me is like, you know, from what you've told me of that experience, you know, like when you left, like even the sisters of his were like, I'm so glad you're. Oh, yeah. Away from like, and that's the stuff that gets me. Like his mother. People. Yeah. Like people yep. don't stand up. No. Like it's just, and it's not new. It's, I will it's say. Forever. It's just amazing what humans do. He had know? his mother and her then boyfriend over for dinner and him being him. Uh, I don't even know how many beers in he was, but he started ranting and raving and he was pulling his bullshit in front of his mother and Bob. And she jumped right up, jumped right up, got in his face and then they left and she, she would call me and she was like, I was, I was sure he was going to hit you. And I was like, well, I mean, he has, but at the that was one of those times when I was like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck all this. Yeah. Don't need this. I'm better than this. Yeah. I'm yeah. better than this. No, and that's what gets me is like I hate seeing someone so broken where they don't see that they're better than the situation. Oh yeah. In. Yeah. It's not about being a better person. It's not being about better, but that just 
you're better than this situation yeah. you're in. Walk yeah. away. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. You know, yep. and, and I hate to say it, but like, you know, oh, he'll kill me if I leave. It's like, I'd rather die oh, than get beat up. No, I'm just he saying like, kill me. I would rather die. Yeah. I'm just speaking for myself. Yeah. It's where men differ than women, but there's dudes that get beat up. I mean, Johnny Depp yeah. and yeah. Lionel Richie. I mean, there's a lot, a line of them that get harassed by, by women. It's both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I don't mean to say it that it's just an exclusive group. Yeah. But I will say that women are more easy to manipulate. Yes. I remember when I first got a job at a car dealership and I was detailing cars. And I remember when I'd be caught up with work and I'd be sitting there just, uh, you know, I'd watch the salespeople. And like the approach a salesperson would have with a woman Completely different from Completely a dude. Completely different from a guy yeah. selling the same car. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and just the approach. Yep. And none of it I found like with the women had anything to do about the actual car on how it operates, works, yeah. performs. It was, you know, check out this color, mm-hmm. check out this uh this interior. Yep. This safety. you know, feature and things Mm -hmm. like that, you know, but nothing operational where a guy, it was, you know, it's this much horsepower. Uh, it'll do zero to 60 in this amount of time, you know, or it gets this gas mileage or it gets, you know, just, uh, it's all the technical things Mm -hmm. of a car, you know, but with a woman, it's placing the feeling and the really successful salespeople would throw that feeling and put that person in the car. Right. Yeah. You know, before they even open the door, yeah. they're already in, in the it. car. Yeah. You know, and uh and I just would sit there and I'd watch and I was just like, this is unreal. Mm-hmm. And I think on a high level, and I hope I don't step on a landmine here, but just don't care. I think on a high level, that's where men have a hard time on the respect layer with women is they see the duping. Yes. You know, and they're just yeah. like you need, you know, they and and then come on, you're better than no, that. and that's associated yeah. with intelligence mm-hmm. on a level. Yeah, I'm really ten thousand foot viewing this, you know, and I think that's where the hurdle is between men and women mm-hmm. on that regard of you know women will look and just how come I don't get any respect? It's like well then, yeah, make a really good rational decision, not just yeah. I feel this and run, and that's what guys feel inside. Right. That's what men feel inside is, you know, evaluate this situation before you go in mm-hmm. and where they see it the most. And this used to drive me nuts when I was younger because I tried to be respectful of women. Mm-hmm. I came from a rough background where I really didn't know how to treat women properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned that the hard way in a couple of times, but I would never hit a woman. Yeah. I would never, you know, I had a massive temper and I would physically destroy everything around me. But the woman I'd never touch. Right. You know, I just always had a beef with that. And even in a bar, if I saw a guy get rough, I'd be the first one to walk up and be like, dude, you need to simmer the fuck down. Get mm-hmm. out of here. You know, and it's funny because once one person stands up, then a couple other get involved yeah. because the other guy's like, well, I got to show my uh, girl that, you know, yeah. I stick up for women and all that. And, you know, and you know what? Good. Yeah. Good. Fine. You are. Whatever it takes. You know. But what used to get me is I was always that psychologist talking to women on the rebound, on the mm-hmm. breakup, mm-hmm. getting in the friend zone. And I just don't understand why he is the way he is. And it's like, it was all there. Yeah. You didn't want to see it. Yeah. 
everybody told you and yeah. you're like no he's different with me bullshit you know it's yeah. like no bullshit that's that's him yeah that's who he is he, he's like that with men yep. women his parents he's... i i always say you want to see how good of a man you have how does he treat his mother and your mother yeah. and is he genuine about it yeah. You know, is is it not just trying to be, you know, it's actually genuine. It's the small things. Mm-hmm. Holding the door open. Mm-hmm. You know, making sure they're seated properly at a chair. You know, just, yeah. you know, come out of nowhere. Hey, do you have everything you need here? Mm-hmm. Or is there any, any way I could help? You know, I'm not saying it's the solve all, but yeah. that's a pretty good It'll damn place good to idea. start. Because if he doesn't have respect for his mother, he's not going to have respect for you. I say that as a guy, you know, mm-hmm. unless the woman is evil incarnate, the mother, yeah. Yeah. you know, I mean, there's guys that are just raised with that. Yeah. And, and it's hard. Yeah. It's real hard or just crazy. Yeah. But, but like this case here with the potato hill and you've got this, you know, Hatch's wife and he's in prison and she kills herself. Yeah. Which, I mean, I get that small town, the shame and. All the stuff that led up to that. I mean, yeah, it's got to be hard, a hard burden, Mm -hmm. a hard cross to carry. But you would think that's the time to spill. Yeah. Even if you're killing yourself. Yeah. Just write it in a letter, like on this date, blah, blah, blah. It's your last will and testament. Exactly. You know, write it all out. And the fact that it just goes through there shows how broken that whole situation was, period. Yeah. Uh, that's what I gathered from reading mm-hmm. all of this. Um, it's a shame. And unfortunately, I hate to say it. We're never going to know a lot. Oh, you'll never know about the other people. Uh, but every, every kind of small, uh, not every small town, but there's a lot of small towns that got these kind of stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's not just a city thing. It's no. not just, uh, no, you know, there are assholes everywhere yeah. and shit happens everywhere. Oh, yeah. So yeah. No, I just, I read a a crazy thing recently about a woman uh, who, like, she just killed her two kids. Mm -hmm. Just killed them. You know, no really legitimate, I mean, crazy, obviously. You know, I mean, you have to be crazy to kill your own children. But just, yeah, it just snapped. And and the husband was involved in it, too. And, yeah, I'm kind of keeping it general because I'm possibly thinking... That might be an episode next okay. year, but, but yeah, nuts. And I, I saw that reading about, um, I was doing more research on the child trafficking and stuff and I was finding out like how they recruit kids for all this stuff. And it's crazy. There, there was one of them, uh, that used to do it. And, uh, he was talking about how, um, yeah, you'd think nothing. They go through a thousand kids to find the one. It's how persistent they are, you know? And I think, Yeah, this is, again, just something that bothers me. It's like there needs to be, and these are kids. Yeah. You know, you got to come up with why they're doing all this stuff. You got to figure out what the methods are and then teach parents how to protect your kids from this. Yeah. Because it's not going to stop. No, it's not. And the reason it's not going to stop is because the parties involved are too, it's, it's too damaging. Mm-hmm. It's wait, like I said before, I'll say it over and over again. It's an expensive person's game. Yeah. It's a rich person's game mm-hmm. or a powerful person's game. And you, you know, you start lining it up in that regard and it, it's just, it's disturbing. I know next year 
I'm going to start pumping this stuff out because I got enough and, oh, it's, it's just dark and terrible. Of course. Um, but I think people need to hear about it. Yeah. And the worst part is, is there's not a lot of people talking about it. No. And that's what disturbs me. It's like, why isn't everyone talking about this? You know, it's, it's strange. But I think, it, it, you know, enough places like us, little podcasts and things like that, I think the more and more it's talked about in that regard, at least just get the conversation going. Yeah. Get it started. So, yeah, it's Star Hill, Potato yep. Hill. Yep. Our local and own, you know. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, we'll pick a nice day and we'll head up there, take some pictures. Yeah. Some selfies. No, thank you. No? I'm not a <laughs> selfie person. I never was either. I see all these people with just like selfie after selfie after selfie. It's like. No, thank you. Aren't, weren't we clear after 10? But now you have uh, 4,000 selfies. 50? Yeah. Okay. Narcissist much? Maybe? Yeah, right. You know. So, uh, yeah, that's episode 102. Mm-hmm. 103 next week, another BOGO. Is it the Tulpa and Gollum? Yeah. 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 Tulpa and Gollum. I figured it's about time we do a deep dive yeah. on this Tulpa effect mm-hmm. that's been referenced in everything. I don't even, I don't even know how many episodes. No, and true. the Gollum is pretty similar. Yeah. No, both cool topics. Yeah. Good way to run up to closing the, the year out. And then after that one, we'll do our last cult of the year. After that one. I don't remember. I don't I, have I it do. written down. I do. I'll tell you after. (laughs) So with that being said, rule number one. No Ouija boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Six. No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Seven. Ooh, don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't talk to them. No. Don't let them in your car. Don't give them a ride. Don't let them use your phone. None of it. Eight. Just listen. Somebody's I, hot breath is all over my I'm legs. Just, I'm <laughs> laughing hysterically because no one will see it here. So Dean has been laying in the studio floor the whole time we've been recording. Yeah. And then every time we get to the tenants. The tenants. Yeah. He gets up, starts stirring. He's like, whoa. It's getting towards the end. Okay. Man, dogs are weird. <laughs> it's just such weird routine animals. I that... think my butt could get scratched right now. Oh, there's things he does where he's like a genius. And yeah. then there's other things you look and you're like, holy shit, you're stupid. You know. <laughs> At least you're pretty. At least you're pretty. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Next week, episode 103. Yes. Coming up. Uh, again, thank you so much for uh, listening. Yep. And we hope uh, you spread uh, the good cheer out to uh, everyone you know. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us out a ton. It's got us where we are. And, uh, yeah, we've uh, I've looked at it. We've effectively doubled our listenership and downloads since last year. Cool. Which is awesome. Awesome. So I uh, just thank you so much for finding us. Yes. And uh, if you could just uh, share one of the episodes, if you're on Facebook, if you could share the post uh, on your feed. Yep. to get the word out and just put a, a little kind of shout out. Hey, uh, love this podcast. Check it out. If you're into it, yep. uh, we'd really, really appreciate it. And uh, even just uh, word of mouth, you know, if there's a coworker or something that's into mm-hmm. this type of stuff to, to let them know, we really, really appreciate it. 
Uh, so with that being said, have a lovely day, a wonderful week. And make good choices. Take care.